Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. One. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Howard David Live. We take a bite of the Big Apple. Today, we're going to talk to Kurt Helen from NBC.com. Kurt, interesting. Sometimes you draw a parallel in sports. Uh, and I, I go back to Sunday. I was watching the golf tournament, the PGA Championship. And after the round, nobody was talking about Brooks Kepka winning it. They're talking about <laughs> Michael Block's hole in one, who's a club pro from out your neck of the woods. Uh, and he, I've never seen in all the years I'm watching golf, I've never seen a hole in one that didn't bounce before the hole. It was a slam dunk yeah. and it just blew me away. Plus his attitude was so great. It brings me to, to the Denver LA series. Nobody's been talking about how well the Denver Nuggets have been playing. They're talking about, oh, this is going to be, the Lakers going to get this one. And to, to be honest, before the playoffs started, I said, I would not be shocked if the Lakers went to the Western final and maybe to the NBA finals. Well, all of that went away last night, but more people today are talking about LeBron James press conference after yeah. the game. Were you there? Yeah, I was in the room for that. He, uh, you know, it was almost at the end and he, he praised the nuggets earlier about being probably the best team he'd played in the four years that they've kind of made this run with Anthony Davis. And, and it was, I don't know, atypical, for lack of a better word, end of end of season press conference. He tends to be a little more honest there. And at the end, when somebody asked him how he would assess uh, this season, how, how his perspective on it, he sounded frustrated. He sounded exhausted, like a guy who had just played 40, you know, all but four seconds and 48 minutes minutes before and hinted like, I don't know if I'm going to be back. Um, and, and that let a lot of people had people looking around like did he just say that did he mean it and lebron though you know lebron doesn't drop stuff casually right like he's it meant he was trying to send a message he doesn't just he's too practiced it's not off the cuff with him ever right uh you look at the lakers season they start out slow they're three and ten uh they get into a little bit of a groove later on get into the playing game they beat minnesota then they beat memphis then they beat the Warriors, and yeah. here they are against the Nuggets. And no one's been given the Nuggets credit. Yeah. They're the best record in the West. And I'm wondering, what do they have to do 
have to win it all. Yeah, uh, probably that. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, they would be favorites, I think, at this point over Miami. Um, we've, we've, you know, it's another discussion about underestimating a team. But th- the difference is Miami was the eighth seed. Miami struggled with their offense and shooting all season. Denver's just been good. They have just been nothing but good. Excuse me, all season long. And I think part of it is they're just what, look, there's drama, even with the Lakers last night, there's LeBron retirement drama. There's all these kind of stars and they're just, they're, they're just, they buy the system. They're methodical. They like each other. They're joking around pregame and having fun with the coaches. There's a great vibe around this team and in the locker room. And there's no, there's no tension. There's not much to sell other than the fact that they're just really, really good and really, really well built, Howard. Like the, the beauty of that roster is you've got inside, but with, you know, the incredible skills of Jokic, but he, you know, you can get your buckets inside. They're long. They're tall. This is the first, the dot Lakers talked specifically about like, this is the first team we went up against. that was bigger than us hmm. uh, with Michael Porter jr. Who's six ten, and even through Jamal Murray and stuff like they're a tall team and they just are, they're tall. They've got slashers and guys who do the dirty work inside. They've got shooters everywhere. It's just such a well-constructed team that the Lakers had. Ultimately, the Lakers aren't as well-constructed. Look, we all know about Jokic and the incredible numbers he put up. Uh, and then that fadeaway shot <laughs> before the, the time clock had expired. And he throws up a rainbow that had to be 30 feet in the air yeah. and nothing but net. Uh and he was, by the way, he joked about that afterwards. He goes, because he had a couple this series, but that one in particular, he goes, Yeah, I think that's going to be my signature shot now. I'm just going to take that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so here you have LeBron gets 31 in the first half. They're up by 15. Uh, things are going pretty well. They're getting contributions from Hachimura. They're getting contributions from Reeves. Uh, Anthony Davis, though, is not giving them numbers. And if you look over the success of the Lakers, it's when, when Anthony Davis has had big numbers and he was not there last night. Now, no one pointed at that because LeBron went crazy in the first half. 31 in the first half, nine points in the second half. I think it's fair to say that uh, Michael Malone deserves credit for making oh, yeah. adjustments. They did a much better job defending him and kind of keeping the ball away from him. But also, dude, he's 38 with more minutes played than anybody in NBA history, right? It's or second to Kareem with when you throw in playoffs, what you know, right up there. He just he emptied the tank in the first half. He did, he had to be that good for them to be ahead and in the game. And he did not have the legs that were going to be blowing by guys for an entire second half of that. This is that's 2012 LeBron, 2013 LeBron, 2010 LeBron, you know, could could summon that. He doesn't have two halves like that, and he didn't get enough help. And you're spot on with Anthony Davis, who ended up with, look, 21 and 14. He was good last night, had some blocked shots, but he, the way this team was structured, and this was true in the previous rounds, if he's good, that's not good enough. He has to be the best player on the Lakers and maybe the best player on the floor. Mm-hmm. And honestly, last night, LeBron might've been the best player on the floor that would have been the first time either he or Anthony Davis were the best players 
in any game this this series. Jokic and frankly Murray were just better every game. I think what you know to boil it down to some simple basics. The Lakers didn't have Jamal Murray. The Nuggets did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead. They are an impressive team just in terms of the other thing that they've got, Howard, and then the Lakers obviously don't have this because so much of their team was flipped around at the trade deadline in February. The core of this team, even with Murray out injured and and all the time Michael Porter Jr. has missed, the core of this team has been together for years under Michael Malone. Same players, same core, same system. And they just know where each other is going to be. The continuity of it all. They don't. If Michael Malone changes it around and goes, "Hey, we're going to start icing this pick and roll and catching this guy here," like it's not new, and they're not figuring it out. They've done it before. They understand where everybody's going to be, so they're, they're that continuity is a step ahead for them. Did you hear? Uh, I imagine you did because I heard it, and I heard it off the telecast. The uh, there's a discussion with Kyrie Irving and the Lakers going forward. Now, look, I don't have anything personal against Kyrie Irving. I just look at the numbers. I look at the bottom line. Uh, He got, he he left Cleveland. Everything was not, they won a title. Yeah. But the end was not very pleasant. Uh, He left bought. Now I did the Celtics uh, some years ago during the ill-fated Rick Pitino era. (laughs) And my partner is still doing the broadcast, Cedric Maxwell. And I talked to Max during the course of the season and he said flat out that Kyrie Irving, they, they couldn't wait for him to leave. Uh, and then in Brooklyn, that whole debacle, why would you hook your, 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 your re- legacy on Kyrie Irving based on his track record? Yeah, and he was court, like you said, he was courtside last night. And that's not the first game. He's been at multiple games, courtside for the Lakers. Um, look. He, I don't think he thinks Dallas is necessarily the fit. I think that he and LeBron, LeBron sees the talent, obviously won a title with him in 2016. And if I think that there's a sense that if there's one person who could keep Kyrie in line, bring him into the fold, however you wish to phrase that, you know, but to keep him kind of focused on basketball, it's LeBron. LeBron is a dominant locker room force just by a kind of force of personality, but also playing with a goat kind of, you know, you're playing with a candidate. We're one of the greatest of all time. Like he just, that's his locker room. Um, LeBron, here's what I've heard is that LeBron is interested in that, but LeBron is interested. That's what that retirement contact conversation was about. You remember how he used to use those short contracts in, in Cleveland yeah. Keep pressure on. It's that. It's hey, we're not there. I need help. I can't, I can't put up 40 and 10, right? At age 38 every night. I can't play 48 minutes. We need more. Kyrie is that. He sees Kyrie as that. Lakers management is cool on the idea, we'll put it. Um, they're also logistically, it's just hard. Like they already. They, they would have to sign and trade to get him. And that means giving up somebody that they really like, like Rui or uh, some more, they would have to trade a lot of depth to get him. And they kind of like, I don't know, they went down that road with Russell Westbrook. They're not really eager to go down that road again. I, I would be shocked if it happens. I, I heard he's going to resign in Denver. I mean, sorry, Denver, in resign Dallas. in Dallas. Yeah. And then now 
Howard, are you and I next February at the trade deadline discussing where the Mavericks want to trade Kyrie Irving? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, look, uh, a couple of things stood out last night. I'm wondering why Darvin Ham didn't pull LeBron in the first half. I mean, did he really expect he was going to go the distance short of four seconds? But yeah. why did why wouldn't he pull him out? I don't think he felt he could. I, I think he's. He, he tends to ride the hot hand, so I wasn't totally surprised after that first quarter where he was 21 points that, that he kind of like, all right, well, let's keep this rolling. Like, but not to pull him out at any point was, was to ask for trouble, it felt like. To, to, you're just – it is hard to do that with any player. If you're – I don't know if, if – trying to think of, of – Jimmy Butler's cut the conditioning for it, but, I mean, if, if you want to – if you're – if you're Joe Missoula and you want to do that with 25 or 26 year old Jason Tatum, that's a very different thing than 38 year old LeBron James. Mm. Um, and even then nobody does it with, you know, Tatum, nobody does it with Jalen Brown or, or, you know, Luka Doncic or pick your guy who's your superstar in their twenties. Um, I was a little surprised, but I think that they were desperate to win that game, Howard. Sure. And, LeBron was the guy, LeBron was the best, like I said, was the best player on the floor and was desperately trying to get there. And so I think he just rode with it. The other part of that, by the way, the dynamic on that team, when LeBron wants to come out of the game, he checks himself out. Yeah, right. No, that's true. That's true. He's Kurt Helen of NBC.com. A couple of things. Contractually, LeBron is signed for next year, and then he has a player's option the year after that. So I guess talk of retirement, I don't expect he's going to retire. How about you? Not at all. Um, I, I, like I said, I think, well, two things to remember. A, I just, I, I think that that was the frustration and exhaustion of the moment, um, getting him a little bit. It was also, like I said, I, I genuinely believe this was a message to management. Like this was, hey, he doesn't have the short contract, but he can threaten to walk away. Um, it's and. So there was, there was that little shot across the bow for Rob Polinka and company. But he has said, and you've talked about this, Howard. How many times has he talked about playing with Bronny, his son? Yeah, and wanting to be there. Uh, Ronnie would be eligible for next year's draft if, if he does that. Look, there's, he's going to USC, just literally a mile down the road from from Crypto.com Arena, where they play at the Galen Center, which is a beautiful building they built you know, within the last decade, I think. Um, they, there's buzz because he's going to make, he's such an Instagram force, Bronny. He's going to make so much money on NIL stuff that there's a theory he might not just come out. Like if he's not going to be a high draft pick, like, like lottery high draft pick, he might be making more in college than he would in the pros. Um, so I don't know if he's, and I don't know if he's the player as a player, he's matured a lot in the last year. I don't know if he's ready to make the NBA leap. So throwing that dynamic out there though, I think LeBron wants to leave it open. I, I think he wants that opportunity. Might he play one more year? And if Bronny's going to stay in school, he, he sees it differently, maybe, but I'd be, I mean, I'd be shocked if he's not back next year. Kurt, let's look at the rest of that Laker roster. Uh, Reeves is going to get paid. There's no doubt about it. And and I don't see them wanting to move him at all because, uh, you know, he is an outside threat, no question about it. 
what about other uh, other members of that roster? Do you see any movement at all from those players? Um, possibly some on the fringes. They're going to have to make some. Uh, look, D'Angelo Russell's kind of the one they're wondering about, and do they trade? Um, D'Angelo Russell was important to them during the regular season, but his defense, when you got to the final four, when you got to the highest levels, his defense, like the, Austin Reeves was out there and, and D'Angelo Russell wasn't. You're going to have to pay D'Angelo. You also, uh, Rui Hachimura is a free agent. Very valuable. I think the Lakers pay up to keep him. Um, where this gets really interesting, frankly, for the Lakers is not next year, but two years out and then especially three and four years out, um, which is after LeBron and Anthony Davis's contracts are up and do they re-sign them and for how much under that new salary cap rules, right? Where it's, it's going to be, it's going to be dangerous. It, it, it comes, the new salary cap rules come down so hard if you're over the tax apron and with what LeBron and AD make, what you're going to have to pay Austin Reeves. It's just, it's going to get really expensive to keep this team together for a couple of years. So they might just have a year or two to try to push through. Um, but I think you're going to see them bring this core group back, uh, maybe outside D'Angelo Russell, and try to find ways to get veterans around them. Mm. Uh, Kurt, let's talk about, uh, you know, game four tonight in the Eastern Finals. Uh, surprising to me that uh, that Boston dropped both games at home. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Jimmy Butler has been – Jimmy Butler's interesting to me. I've always thought he was a really good player. But I never put superstar label on him until now. He's yeah. been playing like a superstar. No two ways about it. Uh, but he's also getting a lot of help. Uh, they don't have Tyler Hero. Don't seem to miss him. The no. fact of the matter is, is that Adebayo, when, you know, we saw before when Anthony Davis plays well, the Lakers win. When Adebayo puts up big yeah. numbers, the Miami Heat wins. And, and I look for them to win game four tonight. Uh, if I'm Denver, I'm rooting for Boston just so they get another day's rest. Well, yeah, there's gonna that's there's a long break. The finals, you know how the finals work, Howard, because it's such a big international and TV event. The finals date is like the Super Bowl. Even before the season starts, we know what day the finals start. Mm. They don't start till June first, a week from Thursday. Like uh, there's going to be plenty of rest for the Denver Nuggets between now and then. Almost. I, 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 Mike Malone would never say this publicly too much rest. Like that's a long time off during this point in the season. Um, yeah. Jimmy Butler's been otherworldly, just the world. You know what he, Howard, have you ever seen a team or, or maybe, maybe you have, because you've seen a lot of teams, but you've, have you seen a team that embodies its star in terms of personality, the way they do him, like Jimmy Butler's, a relentless physical uh, player. And this is a relentless team. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, you mentioned Tyler Hero. Are they a little better off without him? Because when he's out there, he's their second best shot creator. He is important to them in, that's why he was such a great six man. He could come in with that second unit last year and, and win six man of the year because he was creating. But when he started this year and you're putting the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands because he's your best player, well, Tyler Hero's not the shot creator anymore, and he's a defensive liability. Um, they've almost been better off if you're going to if you're going to run everything through Jimmy, you're almost better off having Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and all these shooters around him who 
they don't have a bad defender out there until they put Duncan Robinson on the floor. Um, or, you know, like they just find a way to get through. There's not the same holes in the lineup. Well, you mentioned Gabe Vincent. I mean, he had 29 the other night yeah. uh, in game three, a vital contributor in that particular game. But let, let's just go forward. Let's just say the Heat wins game four tonight and we start looking at uh, Denver and Miami. And, uh, you know, on the on paper, it looks like pretty one-sided in favor of Denver. Uh, they have more big-time players uh, than Miami does. Uh, but having said all of that, I, <laughs> I don't go by chalk. I go by no. reality. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're the eighth seed in the East, and here you are in the Eastern Finals and a chance, very good chance to go to the NBA Finals. I'm not going to look. I think Spolstra, for my money, is the best yeah. coach in the NBA, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unquestionable. And he's, I mean, Joe Mazzullo is a rookie coach, so it's a little unfair to say this around about him, but he absolutely coached circles around him. Yeah, he's out coached him. There's no question about it. Yeah. Look, I don't want to take shots at Missoula because it would be unfair. Uh, Spolster's been around a long time and he learned from the master. He learned from Pat Riley. So he's, I look, Missoula, people have questioned his substitution patterns, they've questioned his timeouts and all of that. Malarkey. The fact of the matter is, is that we know who Jason Tatum is. Uh, and ever since I saw him in the NCAA tournament, before he went to the Celtics, yeah. I marveled at him. I said, this guy's going to be a star. But the guy that doesn't seem to get as much of the ball as I would like to see him get is Jalen Brown. I'm wondering why not. It's a good question. Um, they go to Tatum, and there's games where Jalen Brown's just a better player, and they still kind of lean into Tatum at the end of games. That pairing, just it's just never been smooth. And that's not a Missoula thing. That wasn't that smooth under M.A. Adoka. They just, I mean, they had an identity last year that overcame it, but that identity was defense. When Brad Stevens was coaching the team two years ago, still wasn't a great fit, right? Like, I'm just not, I, I think, look, I think you have to re-sign Jalen Brown this summer, even if you end up having to, you know, if in a couple year, a year or two, you decide you need to move on, you, you can't let him go for nothing. You've got to sign him. But I think it's fair, Howard, to start. Isn't it fair there to start asking how good they can be together? Like, what is the ceiling for this team? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, uh, look, I, we're now at a point now where a lot of people uh, that whose teams are not in the playoffs any longer, you start wondering about what they're going to do. And the one that sticks out to me is Golden State. They've got they got a lot of age in that roster, but they still have the best pure shooter in the history of the game. In Steph Curry, the question is, what about the rest? What about Draymond Green uh, and some of the other players on that team? Do you see the Warriors making a lot of moves? Uh, around the big three. I I'll start here. The biggest question with them remains, is Bob Myers back? The mm -hmm. general manager, president, architect of, of this whole thing, and a guy with great relationships. There is a sense that it's just he's ready to move on. Um Hmm. there's a lot of public posturing about how much he's been offered and is this a negotiation or, or what's going on. There's a sense that this has come to an end and they're going to move to whomever. It is harder for the next thing I'm going to say for anyone else to do, which is Clay Thompson's going to make 40 million and change next year on his Mac deal. I don't remember what it is. It's over 40. She's just not that player anymore. And they're going to extend him but you're going to have to get it, go in and get him to take less and, and how much less. 
Draymond Green has a player option for next year at 26.5 million. I don't know if you want to pay him. You don't want to extend him off more off that. You don't want to give him a max. You maybe want to do, I don't know, three years, 75 million. Like, you know, that 26 million, 25, 26 million, maybe that's his range right now in the new economics of the NBA. But it you again, you need somebody who can go into a meeting with him and his agent and say, who? Oh, thinking you're going to take less to stay with us and just hang like that's tricky stuff to do with your core guys. And that's where Bob Myers has a relationship and can at least have an, I think it's an easier entree to the conversation for him than it is anyone else. Um, aside those two though, I think ultimately Howard, wouldn't you agree is for all of Draymond Green's age for how much he threw this team off by punching Jordan Poole before the season for everything else. You watch them in the playoffs. They can't win without him. They just, yeah, yeah, you're right. I've had conversations with Steve Kerr, who I like very much oh, yeah. and, re- and respect, but I've asked him point blank. I said, it's going to come a time where Draymond Green's going to cost you a game because he's going to do something silly. And he goes, yeah, I know that. And then I look at what he does for us, particularly at the defensive end of the floor and, and, you know, yeah. would I like to see him tone it down a little bit? Yes, that's not the case. Meanwhile, John Morant, we don't know how long that suspension is going to be, but do not be surprised if it's for the entire year. I don't think that's out of the question. I got a feeling it'll be a little shorter than that. Um, I think the, but yes, the league is going to come down hard. This is an image issue and it, it's, it, he didn't break a law. Well, I mean, just to be clear, he didn't break a law, but the guns and the image issue concerns. This is Howard. You've been around the NBA for a long time. That's not a the image issue of players is not a new one. Right. It's, this is this is opening a very old scar with the NBA. Um, and and yeah, I, I think the minimum is I, I think twenty games would be the low end of what happens. Yes. And I think it goes up from there considerably and that's a quarter of the season and memphis you know that's a, that's a, that, that being without your best player for a quarter of the season or more whatever that number ends up being um yeah that, that that's a setback for a young team trying to that that needs needs to be chastened a little bit right needs to be for all the talent on that roster there is a need for them to you know i do a podcast with uh, Corey robinson david's son Mm-hmm. Uh, and he keeps saying that the Grizzlies are punk rock and <laughs> that's that they're just edgy and in your face and aggressive all the time. And there comes a point where you're like, yeah, you, that runs out, that burns out. And and if you're going to win at the levels they want to win at, you're going to have to be, my running joke is you have to turn them into green day. You got to kind of take the edge off and make them a little more poppy. Uh, before I let you go, we'll talk about two teams, Cleveland and the Knicks. Cleveland loses the first the opening series to the Knicks, which surprised a lot of people. I expect it was going to be more out of Donovan Mitchell, uh, who the Knicks looked like yeah. they were going to get him before they got uh, Jalen Brunson. So that didn't work out. You wonder what Cleveland's going to do. But more importantly, about the Knicks, uh, I'm looking at this team, and there's a lot of sameness to that roster when you look around. Jalen Brunson has been without question the yeah. best free agent signing in the history of the franchise, right? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that is two years in a row. He's completely outplayed Donovan Mitchell in a play playoff series. 
Yeah. So so now you look at the Knicks, uh, and, and Julius Randle's name keeps popping up. Is he going to be a Nick come next year? I wouldn't be surprised if he was not. I wouldn't be surprised if he was. But they're going to have to get the right deal. But you look at that, at that Nick roster, and look, Mitchell Robinson is an excellent defensive player, shot blocker, rebounder, and so on. But he's got no offensive game. And you wonder if they're going to try to do something in that area. I think it's distinctly possible. I, th- I think what you've seen with Miami – with Denver and frankly to a degree with Boston and LA you know we were talking about the final four teams is there's not a lot of one-way players the the players out on the floor are versatile and do multiple things and can play on both sides and if they can't they're just not there right so I think there's that the Knicks definitely are going to be making some moves but still Howard don't you think that ultimately what they're now they're well positioned for with their picks and the players and what they can trade they're waiting to see who comes available. This is going to be a lot of player movement this year, a lot of trades this summer. Um, just because the new CBA kicks in and it's draconian for big spending teams in a couple of years, but you can make trades this year and teams are going to be much more hesitant in a year. So I think you're going to see a lot of moves. I think they're going to sit back and see hey, what stars do come available. What, how do things shake out and their position to go after somebody if it's, if, if, if a big name that they think fits comes available, and I don't think that's necessarily like, I don't know if they want Damian Lillard at his age or whatever, whoever might shake out and become available, I think they're poised to go after him. I think they think they're one player away, but that one player is a superstar. Well, you know, we'll find out. Kurt, appreciate your insight as always. You stay safe. Thanks again. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Howard. He is Kurt Helen of NBC.com. Going to shift gears a little bit. And bring in my man Otis Livingston from Channel Two in New York. Uh, Otis uh, always comes uh, with a Lakers shirt on. <laughs> that takes courage. Hey, listen, man! In victory, <laughs> defeat, it's Laker family. Let's let's be clear. <laughs> I, I watched the game last night. I'm not surprised. Uh, I was surprised that they made LeBron play the entire short of four seconds, the entire first half. Now, if you ask Darvin Ham, uh, he needed to win that game by whatever means necessary so you can understand why he left James in the game. Yeah, he was rolling. I mean, he, he was finally hitting some three-point shots with regularity. He looked good. He looked like he was, you know, uh, on a mission. Um, unfortunately, it started to seem like uh, starting the second half that it caught up with them, you know, because as the Nuggets were were uh, uh, biting into that 15-point halftime lead, he was kind of out of the picture and uh, left it to some of his other guys to pick him up at that time, and then maybe he could finish strong again. And as we saw, those guys weren't able to sustain that lead or grow that lead. So then when he started back, trying to score it wasn't there yeah the, well, he had, the three-pointers weren't falling then it was more of the LeBron James that we saw from three-point range in the previous three games that wasn't you know uh connecting on a nice clip so that was kind of the demise that the other guys just didn't step up and yet they still had a chance to win that game just like they had a chance in all the previous three games it was a closer series than it was a sweep but alas it was a sweep nonetheless well, they're up by 15 at the half, and then the third quarter and everything came went, went awry yeah. uh, for the Lakers. 
couple of things. Uh, number one, the Lakers didn't have Jamal Murray. The Nuggets did. That yeah. was one of the biggest things for the series. Uh, when Anthony Davis doesn't give you, and I don't mean 20 and 11. I mean, if he doesn't have a huge game, the chances of winning go south. Well, even when he had the 40-point game, they lost. Yeah. But they had a better chance. You're right. There were some times where he, he was just so passive, and that's been my biggest criticism of him is that he's just so passive. You're playing against the two-time, not reigning because Joel Embiid won it, but you a two-time league MVP. You want to go blow for blow with him, just like he did in that in that first game when he had 40 points. I was expecting this to be that kind of a series for Anthony Davis where he really stepped up because of the challenge of going up against Nikola Jokic. But just too many times, man, you watch him and he's easily nudged out of the way on rebound opportunities. He settles for jump shots instead of getting to the rack. Jokic had four or five fouls last night and he didn't try to punish him to get that last foul. You know, it just it, it just doesn't look like he has the same intensity or go get it on a regular basis that 38-year-old LeBron James does. And that's sad because he's eight years younger than him. He is one of the top five talents in the league, but that doesn't equate to top five output all the time. And that's the sad part about it. Otis, you're a, a big fan of the NBA. If I, I looked at Nikola Jokic and we get into the conversation of Michael Jordan, LeBron James, greatest of all time. Where do you put Jokic? Uh, do you put him top five of all time? Top six? Top? Let's factor in a couple of things. Kareem, Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Not enough people have remember Oscar Robertson, but he was a great player. No question about that. But then you put in, uh, you know, uh, what about Olajuwon? Where does he fit in? So where do you put Jokic in your memory? What about, what about Magic? Absolutely. You know, what about... Yeah. Bird, what about all those yep. guys? You yep. know, um, I think that he has the two MVP awards and he is a, an incredible talent. That's for sure. He's he's very unique in the, all the things that he can do. Um, I think he, he probably has to do it a few more years before he's mentioned that way, you know, because there have been some guys that have had, you know, a two or three year run where they have been dominant, but yet maybe not have sustained it, not capped it with a championship, you know? So this would be, you know, this would go a long way in putting that feather in his cap. If they can finish off this season with that championship, you know, in a year that a lot of people think that he was kind of snubbed at his third straight MVP award. So that, that, that kind of narrative that adds up to it. But as far as a talent, man, it's incredible what he can do mm. the the, the uh, IQ seeing the play before it happens being able to touch past the guys wide open kicking that ball out when it looks like he's going to go for a layup but kick it out to somebody for a wide open three points just the things that he does and and the smoothness that he does it with i mean there are some times where he's rugged you know and he has to get to the basket but the majority of his game is just smooth, man. And those three pointers that he took with the Jamal <laughs> release that we saw yeah, the first time he did it, you're like, okay, wait a minute now. But when he does it three, four times, I was like, yeah. okay, that's his shot. Maybe yeah. that's something that he works on or that he knows that he can do. Um, so he's a unique talent, man. No doubt about that. But I, I just feel like he probably has to do it a few more years at that type of a level. And he's capable of doing it, man. Yeah, he's Otis Livingston, sports director of Channel 2 in New York. 
Uh, let's go, say, closer to your home. As we take a bite of the Big Apple basketball-wise with the Knicks and the Nets, uh, the Nets, uh, I mean, I don't know, even know where to begin with them about what they, they tried, a uh, thing that failed with Durant and Kyrie and that whole thing, and Harden, that whole thing blew up. With yeah. the Knicks, first of all, a lot of people, including me, were surprised the way they disposed of Cleveland in the first round. I didn't expect that. But Donovan Mitchell was handled very well. Uh, and it comes back to Jalen Brunson. I've mentioned this to you before. He is the best free agent acquisition in the history of the Knicks franchise, right? And that's, yeah, I I, I would not dispute that. Um, he's a key cog, man. And we've talked about it before. We we spoke before, you know, as that deal was done. I did not think that he, he was going to be this great. I didn't. I knew he had skills. I knew he had footwork. He's crafty. He's a leader. He had all those things, but I didn't know that he was going to help propelled them to that level now when they went up against cleveland i felt like you know four or five matchup he's going to be probably even you know what i mean um i didn't think that you know uh i, I felt that the that the knicks had a better team overall i did think that donovan mitchell as you know i've talked about him before he's a friend of the family i've watched him grow up i know what he's about i thought that he would go off but yet i thought the knicks would win that series i my main contention was that just inside jared allen and mobley were just not tough enough they just were not physical enough and that's where julius randall works that's where Mitchell Robinson can make a difference. He's not going to score 20 points, but he's going to get a heck of a lot of rebounds, whether they're offensive or defense to ignite the fast break or to stop some possessions by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I just felt like that they just what they just weren't tough enough for that. And, and it's and it's crazy to think that as you look at it now, what did they they beat uh the Miami Heat beat the Bucks 4-1 in the first round, the top seed. And now it looks like they have an opportunity to get a sweep against the number two teams. And the Knicks were the toughest series for them, taking them to six games, you know, and forcing them to go back to Miami to win it when they were down 3-1. So um, there's a lot to build on. Um, there is a gap that they have to close if they want to be one of those top teams. Because a lot of times when you get to the second round or the third round, you look at, oh, we're this close. Yeah, but sometimes there's a big, there's a, there's a gap there, you know, they, they just happen to run into a bus. So with Jimmy Buckets, man, this guy is unbelievable. He's a good NBA player during a regular season, but he is a great NBA player when it comes to the playoffs. And the great part about it is that his team believes in him. They believe yes. they have the best player, whether it's the best talent or not, the best player on the court when they, when they're out there with Jimmy Butler and those guys that didn't get drafted and are overlooked. And, and I know that narrative has been played out and everything, but it is a true thing. There's a, there's a chip on your shoulder. That's why those guys are playing the way they are right now. And they have yeah. that belief in themselves. Yeah. Otis, let's you talk about Jimmy Butler in the past. I've always said Jimmy Butler was a really good NBA player. Now I'm ready to say he's a superstar. I was not ready to say that in the past, but he's proven he is a superstar in this league. Yeah. And I was talking to my son the other day about this because it's it's funny. When you look at certain players, you see superstar or not, right? There's some guys that you look at and, and there's that debate. Is this guy a superstar or not? But Jimmy Butler does superstar things, yep. whether it's the leadership. Every time he shoots the basketball in the playoffs, I'm not going to lie. I think it's going in. 
whether it's a layup or a jump shot. And that's because he has that thing about him, that confidence, that swagger, the, the memory of an elephant. Like the other night when uh when he did this to Al Horford, yeah, <laughs> Al Horford had done it earlier, you know. <laughs> so it's um there's something about him. Like I said, he's a really really good basketball player, borderline great in the regular season. He's not like first team All NBA or anything like that, but man, does he turn it up in the playoffs? And he has quite a postseason resume going on already. I'm not going to lie. I'd love to see him cap it off with, with a championship this year. Um, yeah, I'm pulling for, for Jimmy Buckets. I really am. I just He's the type of guy that he could play on my team any day. There's some guys out there that are just dogs, and he's <laughs> one of them. You know, there's some glue guys that they can play on my team, every, every, but he's a lead dog. You, you have to believe Chicago, Minnesota, and Philadelphia fans are – hating this situation right now because they had him <laughs> let him get away and in philadelphia they kept tobias harris instead of him that says a lot man you know and this guy <laughs> and that just makes a chip on his shoulder even bigger every stop yeah. that he had to make yeah you use the term dog uh it reminds <laughs> me of uh denzel washington in training day where he must have called every every other person dog <laughs> i had i had i i accidentally phyllis and i were at a, at a uh a thing in in uh, New Orleans at uh, one of the clubs there, one of the jazz clubs there. And we're watching this group perform. And who's standing next to me but Denzel Washington. Wow. I looked at him and I said, didn't you used to be Denzel Washington? He goes, oh, no. no. He goes, no, I still am. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that broke the ice a little bit. Yeah. And I said, I said, all due respect, I think you're as great an actor as we've had in our lifetime, without yep. question. Yep. But Here's three things you say in every movie. He goes, what? I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> he says, that's right. I go, uh, my man. My man. Yeah. <laughs> and there was that's one cool. other thing. Uh, there was no, you didn't want to. Uh, there was one other thing that he said. Uh -huh. that's, we shared a laugh and it was, it was great. And I said, I'm going to let you go. I said, but I've enjoyed just being around you. Uh, you know, greatness jumps out at you. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's sports or the movies or whatever, it jumps out at you. So you, you you're around the Knicks all the time mm -hmm. and you look at the Knicks and they they improved this year. They, they went fifth in the East. Now they take the next step. I'm going to throw some names at you. You tell me, are they still going to be with this team or not? Uh, obviously, Brunson is where he is. What about Mitchell Robinson? Uh, great shot blocker, good defender, uh, but no offensive game at all. Yeah, um, I think it's getting to the point. I mean, he's what four years in the league, or uh, I, I think that 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 situation may have run its course um, because. Oh, let me interrupt you one second. Yeah, the other thing that Denzel says, you could believe that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I just don't, I mean, I don't know. I know they like him. They love him. Don't forget he's been injury prone throughout his tenure as well. Um, they need to get some points out of that position. Just yeah. being a, a rim runner, like lob guy with no post moves, no, you know, the game is extended now with the big man too. Um, I, I just don't, I, I, I don't have a good feeling about him being here next year. What about Randall? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Tumultuous relationship with the fans, mm -hmm. uh, up and down. 
Uh, and they can get a fair amount for him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's probably covered it around the league. Um, oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna go out on. The, I'm gonna say yes, he's back. Ob Toppin. I don't know if he's gonna break the seal, man. I mean, because that's gonna be another year behind Julius Randle, in my estimation. Uh, he's shown flashes, not enough to 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 really make a push for that position and make Randall expendable. Uh, that's a good one, man. Well, I'll give you two others. Grimes. Yes. Okay. And um, quickly. Emmanuel quickly. Yes. I think they'll be there. Yeah. I, I think I feel better. I think Grimes more so than quickly, uh, even though quickly has done it better, more. You know, I just feel like they think that Grimes has a real upside as a defender and as a three point shooter, like a three and D type guy. Um, if I had to take, believe, you know, that they would keep one of them, I think it would be Grimes. Uh, let's, let's switch to baseball. The Yankees, uh, have been playing pretty well of late. Last, pretty well. Yeah. Last two weeks, I think they had the best record with the exception of Houston, the best record in the American league. Yeah. They won eight at eight out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Aaron judge is in a great groove right now. Uh, they didn't surprise me very much when they sent Aaron Hicks down to the minor league. He's, Although of late he has been uh, swinging a good bat, but he's been a bit of a, a big disappointment. And I think it's above his shoulder. I think it's gotten into his head. I think so as well. And, and it's, it's, you know, uh, manifested itself in his play. They gave him an opportunity. He didn't come through, you know, and that's a lot of pressure. But you're a professional. You're a big leaguer for many years. He's been with the Yankees, what, eight seasons? And, uh you know, he had an opportunity to, to to really make a mark earlier this season, and he didn't do it. Um, I, I I wondered, you know, if, if that was going to happen, um, and it came to fruition. I'm not surprised either, you know, that they finally uh, designated him for assignment. Um, so, you know, he had a shot. He had a long run here. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, he, he made some money here, you know, off of his time in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, will he get another opportunity to, to play and, and, and show that a change of scenery was just what he needed, as you said, above the shoulders to rethink it, to recalibrate, get that opportunity? We'll see. What about the Mets? They get Scherzer back. They get uh, Verlander back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Obviously, they won't get Diaz back. So there goes your closer. But look. Uh, Alonzo's having a swing and a very strong bat, leading the baseball in home runs. But I look at Marte and um, um, one of the, oh, yeah, Lindor. Lindor I look yeah. at Marte and Lindor as the backbone of this team. I think they are dangerous every time they come to the plate. Yeah. And so far, they haven't, you know, had the type of seasons that people expect of them. Uh, Marte was injured, obviously, coming back from that. Um, they, they definitely are the guys that will have to be counted on. I think it was it was a good series for Francisco Lindor going up against his former team and having a, a pretty good series. Hopefully this is the thing that catapults him to playing uh, more so like he did last year with the Mets 
and then than the season before. But yeah, Marte is, is a guy he's going to be counted on, man. He was a he was a monster last season. He had a you know, he was really clutch. Um, he played well. He was, like you said, one of the back backbones of the team. So he's got to step it up and, and hopefully get back into a groove. Um, but yeah, both teams playing well right now, you know, um, and it's it's a good time because for a while there they were both floundering really bad. Yeah, you know, especially the Yankees in last place in the AL East shows you how how tough that division is and how good those teams are. But they're starting to right the ship, you know, right now um, with these series wins. Aaron Judge, obviously the uh, the American League Player of the Week, batted five hundred, drove in eleven runs last week, so he's starting to get back in his groove. And let's face it, this was the same guy. That last year carried that team the majority of the season, had that historic season with the 62 home runs, almost uh, winning the triple crown. So uh, they will rely heavily on him. Rizzo's having a good season. Yes. We're going to see what happens when Giancarlo Stanton comes back, you know, if he can, you know, find his his groove as well. Um, but the, the Yankees are starting to really play some great baseball. Looks like they'll they'll start climbing back up. You know, they have a big series against the Orioles starting tonight. Yeah. Let's uh, before I let you go. I know it's only May. But you can't tell me that there's not a football fan in the New York metropolitan area that is not looking forward to July when the teams go to training camp and everybody wants to see Aaron Rodgers with a jet uniform on. Yeah. I'm sure you're no different. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and I'm blessed to travel with the team and to have a lot of interaction with the players and team, uh, the coaches. Uh, during the preseason and during the regular season. So I'm really looking forward to see, you know, what uh, transpires this year. Uh, I've made no uh, secret about the fact that I'm a Miami Dolphin fan. So uh, I wasn't happy when they got Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) But as a sportscaster, of course, man, you want to cover the best. You want to cover the most compelling stories. And this is one of the most compelling stories, you know, outside of what uh, uh, Kansas City, if they can do it again or, you know, all those kind of stories. But for the majority of of the NFL, you know, the odds uh, of the of the Jets making and winning the Super Bowl went up exponentially with uh, Aaron Rodgers in the stead, you know, and some of the other offseason acquisitions, another year with sauce, another year with Garrett Wilson, another year with all the rookies that they had last year in that tremendous class. Um, so it's, it's a fun time, man. You know, it's a, it's a great time to be around the jets, to be a jet fan. Um, not so much as a dolphin fan, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but you know, that works out. Yeah. But they'll, they'll be there improved. The Dolphins yeah. are improved. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't know about the Patriots at this stage, but mm-hmm. you know the team to be in the division is still Buffalo. Yes. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting. The first Monday night of the season, it's Buffalo and the Jets, which will be very, very interesting. That could be the hardest ticket in town. Yeah, and I got my credentials, so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what a what an appetizing matchup right out of the box, you know, with, with the veteran, the, the, the multi-time MVP against the uh, MVP candidate, you know, uh, the Jets six, at least six primetime games this year. I, I, I don't think they had a Sunday night game in the last seven years or something like that, you know? So that shows you the Aaron Rodgers effect as well. That shows you what people think of this team, the, the, the parts they already had here, you know, because that, Quarterback room was dysfunctional last year. It was it was one of the worst in history as far as output. They nearly made the playoffs still. 
You know, they were in it for until the last couple of weeks of the season. They had an opportunity. So, you know, you got to feel pretty good about their chances. You got to feel great about that chance. Let's just face it with Aaron Rodgers. He didn't come here to just make the playoffs. He didn't come here to pick up 10 wins and not make the playoffs. I mean, he came here to go deep in the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. So that has to be the expectations for the fans as well. Well, it's not just Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you get Alan Lazar from the Packers. You get Randall Cobb. You get uh, the Hardman kid from Kansas City, who also serves as a kick returner as well as a wide receiver. So that wide receiver room has gotten better. The running back room is tough. Yeah. Uh, look, the Jets were what, eight and nine last year? Am I right? Uh, yes. Okay. Without a quarterback. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, they were seven and 10. Oh, seven. And, okay. But yeah. without a quarterback. Yeah. So yeah. What is Aaron, what's Aaron Rodgers worth? Five more wins? If everybody is doing what they, uh, we're supposed to be doing or are supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, the, the sky to me is the limit, you know, if he stays healthy, if these guys uh, have the same output that they had last year or anywhere near that. Yeah. They're going to be one of the top teams in the AFC. And and, and it's a tough conference in itself though. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of good teams. You talked about, we talked about the dolphins. Now, will they be able to keep Tua upright this year? Because when he was good, he was an MVP candidate last year. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that, you know, and they have those pieces that uh, the speedy wide receivers, they had a nice running back. You know, the defense, I felt, wore down more so later in the season because of the anemic offense. You know, that that's kind of what I thought what happened to the Jets as well. The defense wasn't able to take the ball away late in key situations or at all. And I felt like it was because of attrition because they were out on the field most of the times. And I think a lot of times when you, when you're defensive player, you're going to say the right things, but inside, you know, boy, we, we, we might have to win this game ourselves. You know, <laughs> if we don't have the offense, if we don't have the quarterback. And I think it has to be a little, um, deflating to have a lot of three and outs where you can't even get a, a cup of Gatorade <laughs> before you got to go back out on the field. So that was, I think that played a lot in there uh, uh, not being as a unit, the defense. So you got Kansas city, you got Cincinnati, you got Buffalo, you got all these teams. Baltimore. Yeah. Yes. It's a who's who, you know, uh, what he's got Odell Beckham down there in Baltimore now. Yeah, you got you got a lot of teams, man, that that can vie for a, for a title. Of course, it's going to go through Kansas City that we think right now um, because they look like the favorites again or a, a serious contender. Um, so, but there's a lot of teams out there. It's going to be fun to, to see this year and 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 to to know that the nation is going to be watching with those six primetime games is uh, is going to be uh, real special, including that Black Friday game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's Otis Livingston. He's sports anchor of Channel 2 in New York. So what's Otis Livingston's day like? You got to go to work a little bit later. Yeah. And so you're not going out in the golf course and working on your game. I am today. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so I've put myself back in school because I feel like there's a lot of things that I want to challenge myself in learning and getting better at. So obviously I'm going to the gym three to four times a week, um, but I'm also uh, taking up photography. You know, trying oh. to learn that, and I'm also Photoshop. You know, I'm trying to learn that, and obviously the golf part too. So it's almost like every every day I have classes, so to speak. You know what I mean? I put myself on some kind of a schedule 
that hopefully I can, you know, be able to not master those things, but be proficient at them. So that's kind well, of where I'm at right now. Well, the reason why you're pushing all of this is because your wife, Nikki, has just gotten her master's degree. <laughs> yeah, that congrats. was a year ago, actually. Okay. Well, a good, yeah, yeah. Well, late congratulations to her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but she's got a master's. I mean, that's that, that's getting it done. Well, she was working full time, too. So she would go after work, you know, to her um, uh, her sessions and her her uh, uh, classes at Keene University or in the field. You know, she was it was crazy, man. And and then she would do stuff on the weekends as well. So we didn't hardly see each other as much as we'd like, of course. But she did that for like two years, man. And now she's in the field. She's working. She's loving it, you know, and uh, the mental health field, uh, which is very uh, important and essential, uh, especially today, you know, in, 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 in our lives. So uh, so proud of her. Um, so I say, yeah, I got to get off my butt and start doing some <laughs> things too. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, keep at it. Um, obviously with the, with a job, I also, you know, cause you have the OTA starting. So maybe I didn't, I'm not going to do that tomorrow. I'm just basically working from the mornings, you know, so trying to squeeze some things in, trying to get around to golfing in the weekend, uh, every weekend with my wife, because that's, Kind of the only time we really see each other as much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to get myself back into that, but I've been dealing with some back issues, and that doesn't yeah. help you when you play golf, as you well know. Oh, but, no. but I want to get back on the course as quick as I can. Now, One we'll more area. There, yeah, yes, absolutely. One yeah. more guy I want to ask you about, uh, and he's made an impact when he got the job, and that's Rick Patino at St. John's. Uh, he's gotten a lot of kids to transfer to St. John's, and I'm wondering how much. Uh, of the uh, consciousness of the city is going to be devoted to St. John's. I guess we're going to have to wait and see where they go. But I've been around Patino up in Boston when he was a coach up there. He's an interesting guy and he's a hell of a coach. We'll see what he does with St. John's. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, he said it in that press conference. You know, a lot of these guys, uh, you may want to think about transferring because you knew that he was, he was going to get his players in there. He was going to hit the transfer portal hard. He was going to keep a couple guys and the recruiting that they were doing for from high school players. You knew that that program was going to take a leap as far as talent wise. Um, I would not be surprised if um, Rick Patino and uh, St. John's keeps a lot of the local kids, the, the high caliber kids who are who are now going around to the the blue bloods. You know, they may stay there and especially with the nil because he seems to me like a guy that um really knows how to navigate that and has people around him that really know how to navigate that you know hunter dickinson uh signed with uh transferred to my beloved jayhawks uh and intimated that with michigan it wasn't as lucrative or as 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 good with the nil and that hey that's where we're at today that's driving college basketball today. Guys are looking for where they can make the most money, the best deals, because not all of them are cracked up to be professional players. So this is their opportunity to start out, you know, with that money aspect. Um, I was not surprised that Rick Pitino was going to be able to enhance that roster through via that and just his reputation as a coach. So you're going to the sporting goods store this afternoon and get what a Denver Nuggets shirt or a Miami Heat shirt? 
Uh, I'm Lakers, baby. Come on, man. I'm not buying another shirt, but I'd like to see Jimmy Butler win it. That's what you're asking me. <laughs> I can't well, put that stuff on, man. <laughs> well, you know what they say. You could believe that. Yeah, my man. <laughs> you stay safe, my friend. You take care. All right, you too. Always great to talk to you, Howard. He's Otis Livingston, sports anchor of Channel 2 in New York, does a phenomenal job in dealing with the local sports. Uh, and uh, a guy that I'm proud to say is a friend. He uh, really is, he's great. You can tell by his attitude. I mean, he's just, he's up. He's always up. And that's just part of his job. I understand it. But I think he's the best in the city. That's just an opinion. As one last thought before the, uh, before we go about last night's Laker Nuggets game, give the Denver Nuggets credit. They deserve it. Michael Ballone's a hell of a coach. I know his father, uh, Brendan. Uh, he learned a lot from his dad. He's applying it on the court. Doesn't hurt that he's got a player of Jokic's caliber. Doesn't hurt that he's got Jamal Murray and the other pieces around that Nuggets team. Would not be surprised if they would at all. But uh, on the assumption they play Miami in the NBA Finals, Miami plays tonight against Boston. They're looking to complete the sweep. And uh, and as Kurt Helen had mentioned earlier, uh, this is going to be like over a week of rest. So nobody has to worry about playing too many games, uh, you know, before the finals begin. Uh, I like the Nuggets. Love what Jimmy Butler's doing. I think Eric Spolster is the best coach in the NBA. But it's going to be tough for Miami to beat that Denver, that Denver squad. They're that good. And as for LeBron James, well, fan. I'm a fan. Uh, do I think he's going to retire? No. He's got too much to do. He wants to win a championship. That's the carrot that he holds out there. He wants to win a championship. And nobody's going to stand in his way. You know, he may fail and not win a championship, but won't be because of a lack of trying. You saw a 38-year-old man last night score 31 points in the first half. And he gave the Lakers a 15-point lead. Didn't happen in the second half. They wound up succumbing to a really good Denver Nuggets team. Should be fun in the finals. I'm looking forward to it. Folks, stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live and a bite of the Big Apple. And you stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.